0: Welcome to this episode of In Doubt, I'm Ryan, your host, and today we have a great guest. His name is Emeka Naka, and he has an incredible story of how God has worked in his life despite tragedy and a big change that he had to face. Uh, Emeka was an aspiring athlete, he was on a football team in his college years and was really making steps towards a professional career as a football player uh, when in a sudden experience he was paralyzed. And so we listen to Emeka's story and how God has continued to use him despite this tragedy. So make sure you listen in and hear of the good that has come from such a tragic story. Well, today I have with me uh, someone that is a very proficient speaker and communicator, goes all over the place, was recently hosted by Ellen DeGeneres herself, Emeka Naka. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. So Emeka, like I, I know you a little bit and we've just become Facebook friends, which is awesome. I'm glad about that. But for maybe some of our followers who don't know much about you, don't know much about your story, um, would you be able to just kind of share a little bit of of who you are and uh, what got you to the place that you're at right now?
1: So again, hi guys, I'm Emeka. Um, I am 31 years old and... It's crazy because, you know, anytime I'm, you know, someone asks me about a little bit about myself, it can really start in any given place. Like I could start, you know, where I was born in D.C., where I grew up in Georgia, where I spent some formative years in Nigeria um, when I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma from Georgia to go to school. But typically that is where I start is, you know, after graduating high school. You know, like any kid here, like in America, the, the traditional, you know, path is to go to high school, uh, get your get a diploma, go to college, get your degree, get a job, you know, get a life, live happily ever after. And we know very well that life has different plans for us. Even if we make plans, life kind of happens differently, but... I was similar, and I went to you know high school, and then my parents had a plan for me to go to college out here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and so I moved here in 2007 um, to go. And I spent you know my first couple of, my first year here was a rough one to say the I mean, I'm not the the most academic of academic people, and so I struggled um, in school. Uh, but I honestly feel like I would have struggled anywhere in school just because I wasn't the correct Mind State listeners. Oral Roberts University is one of the premier Christian universities in the U.S. And so my mom and my dad had uh, this school on their radar for years. And when they told me about it, I didn't want to come out here because, you know, I, one, I didn't know anything about the school. It was a Christian university at the time. I was just like, oh, like, oh, no, that's that's my cup of tea right now. And it did not a football team. And I wanted to play football, but I ultimately ended up moving out here uh, to give it a try. And man, like I said, that first year strong gold mightily, just failing class after class. So did that for you know a couple semesters um, and was just really struggling. And I ended up uh, was working at the athletic center there at school, and I bumped into a guy. Who I actually knocked him over and he stands up and he's like wow you're a huge dude and I'm like yeah you know, i have been lifting weights and he's like man you should be playing football somewhere and I'm like yeah I know I should be and he introduced me to this team that is starting and so I'm like alright let me try out and I try out I make the team and things are great like I mean I've got a whole new pep in my step I'm good at football It's, you know, I'm in the best shape of my life. It's, you know, affording me some influence. I mean, one, it's just fun. It was just a a fun time. And at this point, my life was completely different. Like, things were great. These things were exactly where I wanted to be. Um, I knew that I had a level of talent and ability and just God-given stature that could get me somewhere. And that was my plan, was I will work out, go play somewhere, go get, you know, do a combine, and if anything, join some league, NFL, CFL, like any league, and start my career or further my career. And uh, man, I'll tell you, that was, it was one of the most, one of my most happiest days was getting a call from a school um, in Missouri here. And them asking me to come play football there and that it was going to be like a fresh chance um, with my grades and with my, uh, or with schooling. And this time I me feeling like, okay, this is going to be totally different because now at least I have football and I know that, you know, I'm working hard at this thing for this thing. And so that was it. My plan was I was about to go and transfer to the school and start my life again. And three weeks after that, um, in a game in Arkansas on a a play I've made a hundred times before, I might go down this field and I make this tackle and crack. It's all I heard. And then I fall over, the ball player falls over, and he gets up, and I am struggling to get back up. And I'm completely aware of what's happening in a sense of like, okay, just made this play. I got to get up. I just need a second though. So my teammates are now yelling at me like, Hey Mecca, get up. Let's go. I'm like, yeah, I, I will get up. Just give me a second. A couple seconds turns into minutes and people, you know, it's, it's very apparent that there's something wrong and trainers are running out and they are, Assessing the situation, asking me if, you know, if I know what time it is, if I know where I'm at, and I'm completely, like, I'm completely there. Like, I, I'm very lucid. I know what, the, you know, what the situation is. And if things couldn't get any worse, oh, they do. Because about 10 minutes into this whole thing, um, my breathing starts to change drastically. Because, one, for the audience, if you're not familiar with football, football player, we wear pads that are fastened tightly to our chest. We have helmets with face masks. And for me, I just ran down the length of a football field. So I'm completely out of breath. I've got these pads. I've got this helmet on. And now I'm trying to take a breath, a deep breath, and can't do it. Um, All I know is that I can't breathe the way I want to breathe. And so they can't do really anything about it because they can't move me. They can't move my, you know, take any stuff off. And so um, I'm there, and I'm just trying to pay attention to each breath, and like really just like okay, I want this breath, I want this breath, and try you know to really focus in on my breathing. And then at one point, I close my eyes, and in my head, I'm just praying, and I'm thanking God that, um, just thanking God that my head is safe, and I'm. Thanking God that I'm alive. And that's like, I'm just thanking God. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the trainer is screaming my name. Like, mecca, mecca, wake up, wake up. And I'm like, I'm awake, I'm awake. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm praying. And they're like, well, pray with your eyes open. God can still hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, touche, touche. As I was going into the ambulance, I was trying to let everyone know that I was going to be okay. You know, my kid, the kids, the fans, um, because at this moment, I've been on the field for such a long time. and It has been so quiet. Like, it was deafening in there. You could cut through the silence with a knife. I was trying to wait to let everyone know that I was going to be okay. And I tried and I tried and I could not move my hand. I could not lift my arm. I could not do anything. And at that moment, I was wondering, is everything going to be okay? I would get in the ambulance and get rushed to the hospital where uh, they would cut off all the equipment I had. They drilled the helmet off. Um, I would go in for a MRI, and I would find out that C5, C6 was the level at which I had just broken my neck. And that they were going to chill my spine and... I was going to have a nine hour neck surgery the next day. And so the next day I, I, surely enough, I wake up, they take me into surgery. I have, you know, I, they repair my neck they put in a plate, uh, from C4 to C8. And coming out of surgery, I, I remember I couldn't move anything. Couldn't move anything below my neck. Cause so I can remember being in the hospital, just not really understanding why I'm there. Um, Not really understanding why I couldn't move
0: my body. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, just because I think the story isn't, like, it's fascinating to me. It's incredible because I'm thinking to myself, as I'm listening to you share this story, like, one day, you're in the best shape of your life. You're running around. You're sprinting. You're tackling people. You're getting tackled. You're getting up. You're running around. And then all of a sudden, within one day, within, like, one action, you go and, and you fracture your neck and you break your neck. And I'm just curious, like how, what was that like? The the process of that change from, you know, what did that feel like? What was your, what was your perspective on that, on on that change for you?
1: So, good question. Everything that happened at the hospital was still very, like while I didn't understand it, it was like, okay, I'm hurt, so I'm in the hospital for a reason. I spent 10 days in ICU after my surgery. Um, they brought me back to Tulsa where I spent three weeks in the hospital stabilizing. and Then I spent three months in another hospital doing rehab. Throughout that entire time, the light at the end of the tunnel for me was getting out of the hospital because I felt sure that I was going back to my life. That I, All right, I wear a lip for a little bit. I'm going back to my life when i got out of the hospital and i am now faced with life as a person with a disability it was then that it became real it is then that that question comes in because during the time in the hospital it i didn't it, you know I, I didn't know like I, it was still like for me it was still very like hey, like, um, it's a little honeymoon phase. I'm going to be out of here in a little bit and I'll be back to my life. But it was when I got out of the hospital that the darkest, hardest months of my life began because, honestly, when my accident happened, everyone's life around me stopped. My mom, my dad, my sisters, my friends, strangers, my teammates. Like Like, my hospital room was a hub for everyone around my life. And then after three months, four months, people got to go back to school. People got to go back to work. People got to go back to living their life. And here I am in this position, worst position of my life, worst shape of my life, with my life still stuck on stop while everyone is living. Like, I felt like I was losing my life while I watched everyone live theirs. Extremely hard to watch reality TV, to be on social media, uh, just because it was so difficult to see people doing things that I felt like I should be doing. And for those first couple months, it was like, you know what? I'm not going to ask, you know, I'm, you know, I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking God for so much. And I'm telling myself that I'm not going to ask the question that you know, he might be expecting, like, I'm not going to ask it, God, like I, I, I trust you, sure. like, you don't get me through this, one month goes by, two months goes by, like, God, I'm not, i not, not going to ask, like, God, we will going to be all right, three months goes by, four months goes by, it's, now it's getting darker and darker, because for me, it was more so like, okay, with time, I'm just, things are going to just come back, and I'm just going to get back up, After five months, it's like, wow, like now I'm dealing with other health issues surrounding being paralyzed. Six months goes by, seven months goes by, and I break down. God, like, why? Why why, why did this happen to me? Why do I have to go through this? Why aren't you here? Like, why am I in this wilderness? So many whys. And... I think sometimes we ask God questions. You know, if you ask God a question, you better be ready to receive. You know, the answer, the response, you know, something. And so as clear as, as clear as I am speaking to you right now, and I won't say that I heard a voice, I didn't hear a voice, but I got a response that I just started writing down. And it was, how dare you ask why? How dare you ask why in your situation when there are so many other whys in this world. And that stopped me right there in my tracks. I'm like, mm-hmm. Right. And then the next follow-up was the question you should be asking is how? How can you use this? How can this bring glory? How can this serve others?
0: When I look at your life, Emeka, I think that question is yeah, at the forefront of what I see, like as I scroll through your photos and some of the stuff that you've been involved in, it's like you're you're actively going to camps where there's children with disabilities who are you know, going to be in wheelchairs and maybe have never known what it's been like to actually walk or run. And you're going and you're you're sharing a message of hope. And I think, you know, my question is like, what, what was in that conversation? What was in that, that journaling and that, that prayer where you felt like God was more so trying to target you and say, hey, Micah, think of, think of how, not why. Um, do, you, do you think that we tend to, as a culture and society, go to the why and like we try to be God ourselves? Well, what
1: God was teaching me in this time, that what was happening to me was like something wasn't happening to me, something was happening for me. And what was happening in me was more important than what was happening to me. And I don't think that we understand that, especially when it comes to pain. And for me, it was one of those realizations that there's some things that are happening in you. There's some things that are being torn away, some pride, some ego, some selfishness that are being torn away. Um, And if you do this right, you will be stronger than you know what. What's happening outside is more important than what's happening inside. And so I made it my business to show people how to carry the burden, their burden. Um, because for a long time, for in that beginning stage, I mean, I prayed so hard for healing. Give, you know, making my bargains with God. God, let me walk again. I'll never, I'll never do this again. I'll never say this word again. I'll never, you know, I'll open the door for every person I ever see. And again, my prayers had to shift. And it wasn't even just my prayers, but I also fought against the mindset of our westernized, like Christianity in a sense. I would go to church and not only am I the problem, but people just saw a problem that needs to be fixed. And so, with that, I just saw a problem needs to be fixed. I could not get past this wheelchair. And so, my prayers are, you know, God, help me walk again. Help me, you know, help me get up again. Let me play football again. As if my life will not start until I get out of this chair. And that was the anchor that held me down for a very long time um, until again, in another conversation, it was just like, well, you know, what, what do you constitute as healing? Because if I let you walk today and you go back to the life that you live, are you healed? And, you know, you go back to being selfish and living for yourself, is that healing? And so I began to let God do a work in my life that started from the inside out. Um, And that is when I found true healing. Um, That is when I found like hope and purpose. And that is when I let go of the idea that healing meant walking.
0: Yeah. Even as you're talking, I'm thinking about how so easily it is for us as followers of Jesus to just want you know, God, we'll, we'll follow you this way so that we get, you know, this kind of result in our life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have a cause and effect relationship with God. It's like, God, if I do this, the output's going to be this. And from your story, what I'm hearing just over and over and over is what held you g- grounded, what held you uh, sane, like, you know, not giving way to the, the torment and the torture of the internal battle was that God was there saying, hey, I want to make something beautiful on the inside. You know, when I'm hearing your story, I'm hearing this. Like, God is doing a work in your life for good. And the very good that God is working up in your life is that you look more like Jesus.
1: Well, yeah, I think for the most part is that when it comes to pain, people are always looking at, like you said, what good is it going to do for me? And I've told, I tell people all the time, like, there is, that you can always find some purpose in pain if you look for it. But the caveat to that is that but a lot of times that purpose won't be for you because if you're looking for it to serve serve you, you might miss it. You know, and anything that we go through as individuals gives us ground to help the next person going through it. Like, no matter the worst thing that happens to you, you might be like, well, there's no way this should ever have happened to me, but if you carry that load correctly, if someone else is going through something like that, you can help them. And I, Jesus, Jesus' life had a purpose that was not for him. Like, that pain that he went through did not serve a purpose for Jesus. It served a purpose for the rest of mankind. And so I think we forget that, What we forget what it means to look like Jesus. When we forget what it means to being like Jesus, that that does mean, you know, we go through some things. That it does mean that life is unfair. I don't know how life can be any more unfair than to a man that was unblemished and but was crucified and beaten.
0: And, you know, Emeka, I want to take a second to even ask this question because you mentioned that there are going to be people walking through hardship and then yeah, you're asking the question, like, how do we respond to this? How do we make our lives not just for ourselves and actually uh, to benefit others and to support others and to walk with others that, like, so that God can use our experience for his good? And so I want to ask you this question. What would you, what would you say to someone or how would you encourage someone who's currently facing hardship? What would be your go-to? Whew, man. Talking to someone that's going through
1: something difficult, the first thing that I would say is that your your pain um, it's valid. And your feelings about that pain is valid. Um, I think people think that because they're hurting, that you know they you know we all do this. You know, if I get hurt, I feel like I'm the only person that's ever known this hurt, and we hide. You know, pain makes us high. Um, but I also don't want a person that feels like, you know, when you hear someone talking about overcoming pain or overcoming adversity, that that means that your pain should be minimized because it's not. Pain is, pain is valid. And so that's my first thing is I'd say that pain is valid. Um, feel it. Um, know the emotions. Identify the emotions that you have about it. Um, And then I'd say, identify the story that you're telling yourself about the pain. Because I think sometimes it's less about what is happening to us and more about what we're telling ourselves about what's happening to us. Because I can, you know, if I say I, you know, broke my neck on a football field, I'm paralyzed, I can't walk. Um, my life is over, I can't play football, that sounds like a depressing story. If I say, hey, you know, some things happened to me, life life happened to me like it happens to all people. Um, I went through some hardships, um, but by the grace of God and through friends and family and a strong community, I was able to overcome and now I live my life with purpose, all purpose for the service of other people. That changes how I feel about that. Those emotions don't get it wrapped up. Those negative emotions don't get wrapped up in that story because we want the story to tell ourselves. And so, I'll, again, I would say pain is valid. Feel it and know that, you know, that pain, it could serve a purpose for other people.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful, man. I think it's an incredible story. You have an incredible story. And what I'm hearing over and over is just this, this foundational piece of, you know what? Trusting God. Trust that he's leading my life. He's going to use me to make the most of my life. And so that's been a a huge encouragement to us. And, you know, even the story of overcoming and the change that it takes, uh, the internal change that it takes to make progress through what you're going through um, is huge. It's huge. It's a, it's a message that we don't want to hear because it requires that we confront some of the stuff that we're going through on a deeper level, an emotional level, a, an internal level. When it's like, well, we just want life to go easy for us, and so.
1: Well, we don't want to answer hard questions, but let me say this: that while I know that my life has been something, it's been insane, um, and I appreciate the like that love. I just want people to know that my life is not my own. Like, I, no one reads a good book and praises the pen that it was written with. You know, you praise the author. And so, I'm, you know, my life, I am a pen in the hand of God. And I've just kind of found a way to let him write it out. You know, I mean, I, I, honestly, I got to do my part. But, um, yeah, man, he's got, first he, uh, thing is not easy. I don't want anyone here just to, to think that it's easy because it's it's not. It's it's simple, but it's complex at the same time. And just because you don't see things happening doesn't mean things aren't happening. And it just, it just again, just step after step after step. And soon enough, you'll look up and see that, wow, like okay, I've covered some real ground here. Ground I didn't even know that I was covering.
0: That's beautiful, man. It's been a joy to have you and to hear your story to hear of how God is working in your life. Emeka Naka, thanks so much for being with us, man.
1: Thank you, man.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of In Doubt with Emeka Naka and his incredible story of how he has gone through something that's been, uh, for many people would see as tragic, but he has walked through it with such a a firmness in his faith and with such hope. And so I pray that this would be an inspiration to you, no matter what you're going through, that you would be inspired to trust in God just like Emeka did. You can follow him at Emeka Naka on Instagram, and you can go to his website, emekanaka.com, to find out more. In Doubt exists to bring the good news of Jesus into everyday issues of life, faith, and culture. We want to encourage you and equip you to engage with the tough questions of our time in a way that honors God. If In Doubt has encouraged you and you are passionate to help others grow in the truth, we want to welcome you to partner with us. As we continue to provide resources, we depend on the generosity and partnership of people just like you to help communicate the good news of Jesus to a world that needs him. Download our app and follow us for updates on Instagram at inDoubtCA. We would love to hear from you on topics you'd like for us to discuss and how InDoubt has impacted you. And stay connected with us for next week's episode as we talk with Lynn Wilder and learn about Mormonism. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.